Hello, and welcome to episode 69 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today's Saturday, July 10th, 2021. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? It is great. It is super foggy at my house, and then I come over here, and this it's like opposite universe because the sun is out over here. I don't know. That just happened though, I think so. Yeah. But we are in, I don't know that it's sweltering everywhere else in the world like it was the last time that we chatted, but I have a kid who's in 100 degree weather right now and it's 54 here. So yeah, that's, that's our weather update. Yeah. No, I got to experience all the weather. On my little trip, I, we, our family went back east to see my husband's family because I hadn't been in three years, and it was 100 degrees and humid the first three days, and then it dropped to 66 and pouring rain for the next three or four days. Well, that's it's, New England at its finest. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I left before the, the tropical storm arrived, but I heard some interesting stories and got back here and there were earthquakes and excessive heat and yeah i felt the earthquake for the first time in a in a vehicle i had never i'm sure i had felt an earthquake well i'm sure i'd been in a vehicle during an earthquake and just hadn't felt it but i was stopped at a light and all of a sudden the car was shaking and there was no reason for it and the street light was shaking and it wasn't windy it was like a really warm afternoon yeah that was weird because i hadn't had that experience before. Oh, that's very exciting then. Not really. Earthquakes are not fun. No, I did (laughs) not feel it, so that was good. I was pleased with that. We will have a regular experience. (laughs) A non-earthquaking experience here today. No, no, this is going to be exciting like an earthquake. Yeah, but not catastrophic. There we go. Hopefully not. We'll see how it goes. I'm still a little bit jet-lagged and not sure what's going on with my my crafting and everything else so we'll see how it goes but we will have nonetheless on the needles on the easel on the table on the nightstand and bingo let's go (laughs) on the needles craziness continues well i mean relative crazy not regular regular not official craziness yes because we finished with the sock madness right yeah that's oh i'm sorry the madness is over the craziness I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, So I finished my monkey socks by Cookie A in the Three Irish Girls Culloden Sock. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Which was a 2009 colorway, but I was looking at my notes and I I bought it in a D-stash from someone else. So I don't know if it's... I mean, the yarn came out in 2009. I don't know exactly when I purchased it, but it's definitely been in my stash for a while. So I'm excited about those. It's a simple pattern. It was great for working on the plane because I didn't need to have a pattern out. It was great for working on when I was talking to family and whatnot because I, again, don't need the pattern out. The weird thing about it, well, so A, my needle broke halfway through. So I had to go to a yarn shop, Horrors, and (laughs) (laughs) buy a new needle because I knew I could not get through another like four days of vacation without my size one. So that was fine. So then I finished it and I was, I tried them on to take pictures and they're, they're completely different sizes. Like one is significantly bigger and you can look at it and the pooling is different on both of them. Like the way, because if you if your stitches are smaller or larger, it's going to affect the way the colors appear. Sure. They're totally different. One it's of like them just using did, a different size brush. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a different stroke. Yeah, so, and, like, the legs, I did the same number of repeats in the pattern. The legs are totally different sizes. So, I'm, I mean, they were both size one needles, and I know needles can be a little bit different. One was metal, one was bamboo, so, but I wouldn't have thought it would, like, be that significantly different. So, that is kind of interesting. And I don't know if you can tell in the picture that I posted on Instagram. You you can see that the, the pooling is different. So, I'm a little bit flummoxed. It's It's not enough of a difference that I'm going to re-knit the entire sock. One fits perfectly, the other one fits just fine. So, Yeah, you cannot really tell in the photo. I mean, I'm sure you know and can... But look at, you see that, like, all the big blobs of blue, and this one is... More variegated. Yeah. It's yeah. stripy. 
I don't know what happened there. Weird. Yeah. Do you think it could have just been the yarn? No, I mean, it could be my tension. It could be the needles affected the way I was knitting. Something happened though. Mysteries of the universe. It is what it is. And I am about 30 seconds away from finishing my other pair of socks that I'm making for my husband. The OMG heel pattern by Megan Williams. And that is the Tangled Lights colorway from Mustache Yarn, which is the Christmassy one with the red and green stripes and then sparkly light sparkles. There's not, no, no sparkles, speckles in between. I think I have another, I don't know, three or four rows and then binding off. So I'm going to pretend they're done. Okay. And by the time this comes out, they will definitely be done. They'll be done. Like once you leave, I'm going to finish them off. And okay. then they'll be done. So I'm calling them done. So I'm excited about those two. As far as I know, those will fit. He tried on the first one. Well, we'll see. I don't know. The first one fit. We'll see what happens with the second one. Who knows what I've done with it. So that is good. And then my Go Tell the Bees shawl by Michelle Bernstein. This is the one where I cast it on, whatever, 300 some stitches, and then let it sit, and let it sit, and let it sit. And then I did, I think, maybe the first row or two, and then I stopped, and I picked it back up, and I realized... It's a long, flat walk. <laughs> well, there's that too. <laughs> but that I had screwed up somewhere. Because like, you start off with the lace patterning mm, okay, um, along the edge, which is kind of a cool way of doing it. You do all, I mean, you do all the fun stuff, and then it's, the, then it's the easy, boring stuff, but it gets smaller as you go down. But setting up that lace patterning is a little complicated, and I screwed it up. And I could not figure out what I did. Just, it, I, it was not working. Mm. And so I could start undoing it stitch by stitch by stitch, or I could do what I did, which was just rip the whole thing out, cast it on again, start over. So that is what I did, which was annoying, but also fulfilled the need that I was trying to fulfill at the time, which was like, do some knitting that needed brain power. Okay. So that happened. So I started, cast it back on, and then started the, the lace pattern, but I actually used stitch markers in between the repeats so that I could go back and count and like, okay, they're supposed to be whatever, 11, I'm making these up, 11 stitches in each repeat. So I can go back and count after, I think I've set it up, did I do this correctly? Whoops, this one has 12, let's fix it right now. So I think I maybe did the first row. Hopefully when I go back and do the second row, everything will line up. Actually, I think the trouble happens in the third row because when you go back, you just purl. So it's, yeah. you're not really going to notice your problems. And there's not enough patterning to, to figure out if things are lining up. So we'll see. That one is going to be in the works for a while. But for right now, I think it's back on track. Uh, and then I got a decent amount done on my Rainbow Wings shawl by Knitting Expat Designs. Uh, this is the one I'm doing in, uh, I got a kit from Hue Loco. So it's the, the really light gray main color yarn called New Yorker and then it has the rainbow minis and it is an offset triangle and it's gonna have rainbow mm. stripes eventually fun I have not gotten to the rainbows I'm still working on the gray you do about 47 rows of your main color <laughs> what 47 sounds like a lot it is it is getting there of I the... think I'm on about 40 okay so I'm up to you need a good like series. 250. You need a good TV series to yeah. last through the rest of that. Yep. Um, but it was again, it was good. It is it's good TV knitting. So I had started that before we left. And I was watching something, which I don't remember. But so I did get a good bit of that done. And then I did some of that on the plane as well. And I watched some TV last night and did that. So that is coming along. I think I'm up to I checked and like row forty was maybe 260 stitches. So it's getting there. It is getting there. Eventually, in the not too distant future, I will hit the rainbow and then it will be super fun. Even Absolutely. if it is really long. Right. So I'm excited about that. And then I also started my t-shirt that I was talking about, Eddie by Isabel Kramer. And this is also in Hulogo Merino sock. This was a special colorway she did just recently. I just, I just bought it. <laughs> so it happens even with my my stash diet that I'm, I'm trying to work out for this year but that's okay but I'm, I'm actually using the yarn so it's like yeah it's a, it's a net 
And you have been using mm-hmm. so much from your stash. Yeah, I am still ahead overall. And I feel like the things I'm ordering, I am actually putting to service right away. Yeah. Yeah. So this one is, uh, the colorway is called Eclipse. And it is mostly a gray and then has all these, uh, like all the colors kind of blended through and variegated. So it was really pretty on the website and then it arrived and it's still really pretty in the skein, but I was worried that it wouldn't knit up so well, that it, there would be a lot of weird pooling and which it wasn't what I wanted. And I needed to trust her because as I'm knitting it up, it looks beautiful. So I'm super excited. Uh, so the pattern is just a really simple t-shirt, which I figured since the yarn is pretty busy, was the way to go. It's got a v-neck, short sleeves, and I think there's some sort of purling or moss stitch stripes um, every, you know, few inches. So it'll it'll break things up as far as knitting it a little bit, but won't interfere with the patterning of the yarn. So I'm excited about that. But upcoming, as you saw when you arrived, I'm winding yarn for the four-day sweater knit along, which actually started, I think, earlier this week, maybe on July 4th, because the pattern name is Fireworks. It's from Marie Green. So I will leave it there. I've done this before and I am home alone for a week. So I feel like this is really the perfect time to try and knit a sweater in four days. It won't be actually four days, but I will have a lot of free time in the upcoming. Yeah, good. To, to crank out this and sweater. And it's such so. a fabulous yarn. Yeah, I'm excited. It's magenta, it's tweed, DK, so it should go pretty quickly. Yeah. Beautiful. The pattern is really exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So, But I will talk about that more next time when hopefully I will have the sweater done. Because okay. that will be yeah. Less in a than, while. It will be more than four days. when we. It will be next. more than four days, so I should have it done. What is on the easel? The easel had to be relocated temporarily because I got a new door in the studio. So... We're doing this work on our house. I'm grateful that we are able to do this work. However, it's pretty disruptive. And every time we do one thing, we discover, oh, that wasn't done properly. We need to redo this along with it. So it feels a little bit like an ocean right now. But anyway, I had to clear half the studio away in order for them to take the old door out and put the new door in. I had some helpers and we moved out, like I said, a huge chunk of the studio. And then they finished the door yesterday afternoon and I walked in there and vacuumed and swept up and that kind of thing. And now I feel like, wow, I really like the studio, this (laughs) empty. So now I'm in the, the, how do I keep my studio this spacious without Mm. getting rid of all of my lovely supplies and that's a whole other thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around. Leading up to this though, I was thinking about how fragrances and scents from your childhood stick with you. Like I said before, my older son is, he's away and he's camping and I had put aside, I put some uh, SPF on his dresser and he forgot to take it with him. He's in good hands, so I'm sure somebody else has some, but it made me think, it reminded me of um, sunburns when I was a kid, and I didn't really have that many sunburns. We we were pretty good about it, and I would find a tree and read under a tree or that kind of thing. But my grandmother used to put this Noxzema on our nose or on our cheeks if we got too much sun, and the smell is really nostalgic for me. Yeah. And you can still buy Noxzema, but it's not something that I normally reach for. So I found um, some vintage packaging of some Noxzema, and I painted one the other day. And so many people wrote to me saying, I can totally smell this but just by looking at the image. And it made me think of those scratch and sniff stickers. And then I got to thinking about other things that have like a really iconic childhood smell. And right now I'm painting a box of Crayola crayons. Oh, yeah. Now, I have attempted to paint crayons in the past. They're really tricky. It's kind of like painting Legos. Because they're so uniform in the box, Mm. it's hard to get that exactitude while keeping it sort of painterly. So Mm. I feel like it might be a little too tight. 
of a painting, but yeah, I'm trying to think of other things that bring you right back to childhood sense like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Somebody was talking about Skin So Soft, the Avon, and how that smell, because that's what everyone uses for mosquitoes yeah. to keep that off. That's and, a great one. Yeah, which wasn't very much a part of my childhood in the Bay Area. We don't have as many mosquitoes as they do back east. Right. So, But I thought that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, that is a good one. And my grandmother was like an Avon sales lady for a while. Yeah. They had this hamburger soap. <laughs> have you heard remember. about hamburger soap? No. I don't know if it was something that you could buy or if it was a gift with purchase type of thing, but it was this hamburger and each piece of it was soap. So it was like the bun soap, the burger ah, soap, the lettuce soap. Delightful. And you could take it apart. And I don't remember if it was on a rope. I'm going to have to look it up now. But yeah, I can smell, speaking of, I can smell that soap. We had a lot of it. <laughs> It didn't smell like hamburger. No, okay. no. It smelled like soap. Avon also had these little lipsticks, and they were just sampler size lipsticks. Mm -hmm. Tiny little things with like a white tube. And my my other grandmother, I think one grandma had given the other grandma like a handful of samples, and they sat in her jewelry box my entire childhood. And so... I remember like opening one up and smelling it and they had a very distinct smell. And now as an adult, I realize that had probably gone rancid. It was like, <laughs> like gone by lipstick, right. you know, yeah. it's not meant to, especially then, yeah. you know, the things that were in lipstick then. Ugh. But anyway, so that's what's on the easel. <laughs> okay. I also, Twyla Tharp has a new book out called Keep It Moving, which is all about how to keep that dance mentality like way into your life. Oh. A body in motion stays in motion. And when I saw that she had come out with a new book, I, I have one of her books about creativity that I love to go back to now and again. And one of her tricks when she's starting a new project is to keep a box. When she's choreographing a dance, she starts a new shoebox and she puts in her references for it and some music and that kind of thing. And that made me think I was out of boxes for, I store my art in boxes and I keep them by project. And I had a huge stack for the podcast, you know, the images that I make for the release. Mm -hmm. And that was full up. And so I went downtown and I bought boxes that I like. They're like a big sew box from the container store and you can label them. Also, I put all of the abs, all of my abstract stuff in boxes. I have made a ton of abstract stuff that nice. I haven't shared because I don't like, I don't love any of it yet, but wow, it was satisfying to put it all in a box and realize like you're making progress, kid, yeah. like go easy on yourself. Nice. So um, there's a little bit of organizing in the studio. There's a painting. There's me trying to reminisce about the smells of childhood. <laughs> Hamburger soap and all. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Some good creative stuff. Absolutely. I like it. Okay, on the table. I had to say when I was going to make my notes about this, I was a little bit of a panic because I've been on vacation and I managed not basically not to cook for an entire week and a half. Congratulations. Oh, thank you to all of my relatives <laughs> who took us out to dinner and took over the cooking. I did one night when we had dropped the boys off at their various camps that they were going to and it was just my husband and I for the night and it was like bare cupboards, but I had bought stuff for tacos the very beginning of the trip. So I did black beans and some taco seasoning and, and I, and I had bought Spanish rice. Um, so I made that and I heated up the beans with the seasoning and the taco shells and there was some cheese in the fridge. Like it was barely <laughs> cooking, but that was all I did. So I was a little bit panicked that I was going to not have anything to talk about, but I apparently, I looked at my Your notes, my notes. And I had done some actual cooking before we left. It was actually some really good stuff. One of which oh. was the wings from Mad Hungry. 
Oh, which good. I said you have made before. Yes. Um, and actually, to be fair, I did not cook this. Boy Two made this. And that book is by Lucinda Scalaquin. And these were, they were really good. Her, that whole cookbook is good. Both of them. Yeah. I haven't she made a ton too. of stuff. It is pretty meat heavy and there's a lot of gluten. So it has kind of not <laughs> been getting the love it perhaps should. But yeah, the wings were really good. Boy Two loves wings. He went for a per- for, through a period of time a few years ago. Like that was all he would order whenever we went out. If there were wings, he was getting them. And he likes spice. Zippy Zippy is good for him. These are not those wings. They are completely different. No, they're like a teri- more like a teriyaki. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it had soy sauce. They definitely have sesame seeds. Yeah. Breadcrumbs, some garlic. We ended up using garlic powder instead of fresh because I felt like that would blend into the mix and coat it better. Agree. Than little chunks of garlic. Yeah. So they weren't spicy, but they were really good, and they the timing of the baking was spot on. So those turned out very. Very delicious. Served him with a kale salad. Husband got one of the veggie burgers that I had made before that I talked about last time. And I had put half in the freezer, so I pulled a couple out. Which was the whole point of them. Yes, so it was great. That's easy. Good. Yeah. And the wings themselves were really easy to make. And then they, you know, sit in the oven for a while. Mm -hmm. And it did end up being because he wanted to make them... And it was when we were, when it was actually hot in the city. And I was like, no, we're not having the oven on for an hour. <laughs> and it's going to be, you know, mid 70s for a week here, which is really hot for us. And none of us have air conditioning. Right. So the house is heat up and there's no way to like cool them down. So, but it was still hot again. I was like, Ugh, all right. But it hadn't been hot for multiple days. So the house hadn't really heated up. So that worked out okay. The other thing I made is from East which we love, obviously. We've talked about this before. And it was the paneer, spinach, and tomato. I don't have a word there. It's supposed to be an update of sag paneer. And it was so good, even though I completely screwed it up. So <laughs> you were supposed to roast a pan of tomatoes. I completely forgot to buy tomatoes. So half of the, <laughs> the dish is just non-existent. And I went into a panic, and I finally decided, you know what? It'll be delicious. It's going to be baked cheese. How bad can it be without that? Right. So so you you chop up the paneer. What is paneer? Oh, it's an Indian cheese. It's, you know, super dense and you can bake it. It's like halloumi. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an Indian cottage cheese. There we go. So you chop it up into cubes and then two red onions, chop that up as well. And you bake those together for a while. And then then you are supposed to chop up some naan bread and throw that on there. Also didn't do that. Serve the naan on the side. And you roast a couple cloves of garlic as well. And then you pull the garlic out and you use it in a dressing. And you mix everything together once it comes out of the oven with some baby spinach and the dressing. Oh, that sounds good. And it was delicious. And I think it it also would have been equally delicious with a pan full of roasted tomatoes, which we didn't have. Next time. Next time. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it's different. Because this was really good with the cheese and the... The roasted, I mean, they're red onions, so they're pretty sweet anyway. And they're all, you know, they've been roasted for a nice long time. Where did you find the paneer? Just in my grocery store. And was this the first time that you'd used it? No, I have used it for a couple of other things. Okay. I can't remember what. But yeah, so this was good. So it's a nice vegetarian dish, obviously. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been cool with the the naan in it, but... Didn't happen, and it was yeah. good on the side, too. Yeah, so I was really pleased with that, and I will probably make that again and hopefully remember to buy tomatoes. How about you? I haven't been traveling, but I also haven't been making new, new things. But I did resurrect two two former gem recipes, although maybe not so, so former with one of them. I made those chicken meatballs from Smitten Kitchen, the ones that are smeared with tomato paste when they get baked off. I don't know if you've made, if you've had those. those. They were in a regular rotation at our house for a while and then, and then I didn't make them for a long time. So I brought those back. Sounds good though. They're delightful. They have pancetta in them. They're just a flavor bomb each Maybe one. Maybe I need to make them this week. Yeah, they're just really delicious. I think they're on the website. They're not in one of my cookbooks. Oh, okay. I serve them with really simple zucchini because they're so flavorful. They don't really need yeah. a huge accompaniment and a little bit of salad or something. Um, the kids like it with angel hair. And then I also 
made those zucchini farro cakes. I know I've mentioned these once or twice before because it's out of my favorite little breakfast cookbook, the Whole Grain Mornings by Megan Gordon. She has an awesome granola recipe in there, but mm-hmm. she also has like blueberry breakfast bars, which I've talked about. Yes. So these zucchini farro cakes are a massive amount of zucchini, a little bit of farro, some egg and herbs and spices, and then you pan fry them. So they're kind of like a zucchini fritter. Mm-hmm really delicious with goat cheese mm. they're also supposed to be I mean, served with, right <laughs> they're supposed to be served with roasted tomatoes but i forgot the tomatoes and they were in my kitchen drawer i just didn't see them in there oh, so okay. i have no excuse yeah. but it's okay this we, is the no did, tomato yeah episode. this is the tomato free episode of craft cook where you compete um so yeah i brought those back into Because it's zucchini season. Yeah. I mean. We're here for a while. Yeah. And I love, we love zucchini, so. Oh, that's good. My people don't really, they will eat it, but they don't. You should try the zucchini for, well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for thinking of it. What's the gluten-free version of farro? I don't know. They would be good with oats. Oats can be savory. All right. Anyway. Sure. Lastly, this is my bingo entry. Oh. We did a peanut butter cookie comparison because my oldest nice. had a birthday. Oh, right. Um, Happy birthday. Really? I was just making cookies for the birthday. Um, this is like comparing apples to tangerines when it comes down to it, and I'll tell you why. Okay. We love peanut butter cookies around the house. Everybody loves those pan bang ones from the 100 Cookies book. Yep. So I had to make those because they have the almond flat part almond flour and they get like super thin and they're kind of crispy. And then on the other end of the swimming pool, I did like big, fat, soft peanut butter cookies that have the Reese's peanut butter cup pressed oh, into them. Delicious. Delicious, but like total sugar bombs yeah. compared to the other ones. So we had a pile of teenagers at the house. And I would say that the group was 50-50. If they liked crispy mm. cookies, they liked the yeah. thin ones. And if they liked sugar bombs, then they liked the other ones. Um, I'm pretty sure that my husband still will go for the peanut butter, the thin one, every single... That's his mm-hmm. favorite out of that cookbook. That was fun. We did the the peanut butter like cookie it. comparison. Nice. It was really not a comparison. It was your personal preference, but you know yeah. what I mean. And that's, that's it. Otherwise, you know, similar skillet tacos and... Oh, I did make spaghetti carbonara, which is that mm. New York Times recipe that is... Couldn't be simpler. Could not be simpler. Yeah. That's something you can make for yourself this week. Yes. I have plans. <laughs> I've been planning. <laughs> Very exciting. Planning and yet also trying not to plan too much because if I pick out something that's elaborate I'm not gonna make it I'm right. like yeah no not gonna happen I still like so. my salad with some oven fries that was oh right I've got to get the oven fries the Alexia truff- truffle yes. oven fries I had we did have their garlic fries oh really which were pretty delicious I think the anyway. truffle ones are oh can that count as my comparison if they're not side by side yes oh, sweet <laughs> I don't know I don't know if I will Make that count, but it might need to. We shall see. Anyway, on the nightstand, shocking as this is, I have so many books. This is what happens when I go on vacation. Well, yeah, if you're yeah. not cooking all the time, yeah, and, you're and not it was too hot to knit for the first three days, right? So I had to read. Okay, tell me everything. All right, here we go. If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio is the story of Oliver Marks. He is being released from jail after 10 years for an unspecified crime. And the cop that put him away has showed up and said, hey, I want to know what really happened. Like, whatever. I'm retired now. I don't care. I'm not going to try and get anyone in trouble, but I want to know, was it really you? So Oliver goes back and tells his story. It's kind of like The Secret History by Donna Tartt, mm. where it's a bunch of kids. They're theater majors at this private conservatory, where, and they just study Shakespeare. So they're all seniors. They've been together for four years. Something happens, and you eventually find out what. You, you find out all the details. So it's pretty cool. There was a lot of Shakespeare in there. Lots of quotes, because they're working on the plays, and that was kind of cool. 
you know, it's a little bit of the 20 the something angst, which is kind of annoying. So I would say probably not, although I haven't read The Secret History in forever, but this was enjoyable. I mean, it's summer, so I'm not taking my reading too seriously at this point in time. That's If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. Then I read The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. I just read In a Holidays by her. Actually, it's them. It's two friends that write. Oh, that's right. That's fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this was nice, fluffy romance. Olive's sister is marrying Ethan's brother. And Olive and Ethan do not like each other. The wedding happens. Everybody at the reception, except Olive and Ethan, get food poisoning. There is a non-refundable Hawaiian honeymoon waiting (laughs) that they cannot reschedule. So Olive and the bride are twins. So... This she is, decide, they decide this to is use your them. public service announcement to just buy the travel insurance. <laughs> well, she, she had like, yeah, so that would be a good idea. It was like she had won it in a, oh, okay. like a raffle or something. So it was, you use it this time and it's you and your husband and you, there's no, there's no yeah, reuse. Yeah. So anyway, so her sister was like, you know, I can't go. Someone's got to go. We look exactly the same. You go. And the groom was told his brother to go. And Olive wasn't going to go because, you know, she's not going to leave her sister. But then she's not going to let Ethan go enjoy this fabulous Hawaiian vacation. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. He's an awful person. We can see where this is going. They go to Hawaii. Sparks fly. Shenanigans ensue. It was really, it was very cute. Although part of their Hawaiian stuff was very odd. She spent a lot of time drinking like gin and tonics and margaritas. It's like you're in Hawaii. Have a Mai Tai, lady. <laughs> So, <laughs> or I don't one know. of those things in paint. a pineapple. Yeah, something. There were so many options. I didn't understand. It I was love really that cute. thing in a pineapple. <laughs> I mean, a pineapple is great. It's a great, great thing. So, very cute. The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. And I think they have a pretty big back catalog, so I might need to oh, fun. go check out some more because they're, they're pretty, pretty cute. And then I said that I was done with the Alana Andrews for a while, but I lied. <laughs> There is, this is book 3.5, which is a novella that happens in between the two trilogies, Diamond Fire, which happens around the wedding of the first sister, but focuses and kind of introduces us to her younger sister, who is the focus of the trilogy. So it's the wedding, there's somebody is trying to kill the bride and groom, there's poisoning, there's mystery and shenanigans, but not very much of Alessandro Sagredo. So that was disappointing. Our Italian, Italian dude. <laughs> but that was amusing. And so now I am really done with Alana Andrews until next year when book six comes out. Then I read Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Your boy is reading both of them. Matthew is things. reading. My favorite thing to do with Matthew is to rewatch The Martian. I just, <laughs> I totally love that movie. Have you read the book? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I've read the book and yeah. I've seen the movie yeah. a thousand times. And I, yeah. I'm not a rereader, but boy, am I a rewatcher of movies. Yeah, I like sometimes don't want a surprise, and so totally that okay. is one that is completely escapist. Go figure for me. So anyway, I'm really excited yeah. to read this new book. Yeah, so it's really good. It's very much like The Martian in terms of it's a dude in space. Something is happening. Lots of science and trauma. This one, it felt much less high stakes for some reason. Maybe because, you know, I'd read The Martian. I know it all turns out okay. And I felt like he wasn't going to have things end poorly. So I was just like, ah, I'm just along <laughs> for the ride. Like a romance novel, right? You know it's going to end well. Mystery novel. You know you're going to find the criminal. So this it kind of felt like it'll all turn out okay. We don't know how, so we enjoy the the ride but we figure it's gonna be okay and there's some other stuff that happens that you're like oh okay this is a little little bit more outside of the realm of reality that we currently exist in so super fun speculatively speaking yes yes okay but super fun but so Ryland grace wakes up in space which takes him a while to figure out he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know why he's there so that's part of it is him figuring out what's going on what he's supposed to be doing and eventually realizes that he is doing this to save humanity, and it goes on from there. Lots of science, lots Some, of space. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> save yeah. humanity. Yeah. Yeah. We need help. So Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Recommend. It's Yeah, it's definitely a fun summer read. Fun. Yeah. Okay, good. 
And I did a lot of like skim reading of the science stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it all makes sense. <laughs> but I, I don't Checks care that much. Checks out for yep. me. Sure. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Skip to the end. Then I read The Archive of the Forgotten by A.J. Hackwith. This is book two in the Hell's Library series. Claire is now the archivist in Hell. And uh, she was the librarian of unwritten books. And she got booted from that position is now the archivist and so everyone is kind of recovering from the events of the first book and their uh, mysterious pool appears in the archive and crazy things happen shenanigans ensue they have to save the world basically and each other so it's it's real they're really interesting books because i don't know i describe them and they sound a little frivolous but there there is this level of seriousness in there and it's an interesting balance i think that the author creates between Claire is your heroine and you want to root for her. And she seems like an, I mean, she's, she's a tough cookie, Mm -hmm. but then you start thinking, it's like, well, but she's in hell. So what did, you know, in the first book you find out what she did. And I honestly cannot remember what it was, but like you're rooting for her. So she's probably not a murderer, but maybe she like, you know, if you're in hell, you're probably not a good person, but then maybe you are. And, and so figuring out this world and having that balance of what is good and evil and, mm. and what is the point of the library. The library is in hell, but it's sort of its own separate entity. And they, she brings in other afterworlds, uh, afterlives from different religions. So you kind of, so you get that world. And, and there's all these stuff about books, obviously, characters escaping, humanity in the characters. There's a lot of good stuff going on here. And, and mm. so I really... I like these books. They're just, they're, they're a little bit different. They maybe don't sound like they are, but her, her writing and her characters are, are quite good, I think. And then next is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. I feel like there should be an N in there. I'm not sure. Uh, she wrote Red, Red, White, and Royal Blue a few years ago, and this is her second book. Equally delightful. Another romance. August has just moved to New York City. She's trying to finish college. She's had kind of a screwed up childhood uh, and never really felt connected with anyone. But now she's in New York. Uh, She finds some great roommates. She gets a job at a quirky restaurant with some more fun people and starts to make connections. And then she sees a girl on the subway. And then she keeps seeing the girl. And she eventually realizes that Jane is trapped in a time loop on the subway. She's been there since the 1970s. What? And so it's it's kind of a ghost romance story. She's trying to figure out how to rescue Jane. So you get all this like, cool crazy. 1970s yeah. punk and feminist and queer rights and all this cool stuff is in there. Plus found families and becoming confident with yourself and who you are and, and a delightful romance. So thumbs up for that one. Wow. Okay. Yep. And that one I kind of scooted to the top of my list ahead of a couple other books that I have have in my on my Kindle because I I really enjoyed her other book and, and just really wanted to read that one and I'm glad that I did. And then I went a little more serious for a moment of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. It's kind of a family saga, several women who the first starts off in Cuba and then it's her daughter and then, you know, women on down the line, they end up in Miami. It goes back and forth. Each chapter is focused on one of the women. It's not chronological, so you're getting different events in their lives kind of out of order, but it all it all makes sense in the end. It's not a happy book, so generational trauma and family inheritance and secrets and you don't know things about your family and then that can come back. And then it was a little bit weird. There was also this other mom and daughter who intersect with them that are from El Salvador and end up getting deported from the U.S., and how their stories work in that part of it she did make it all connect but it felt a little bit not fully integrated with the cuban story so that was odd but overall i really liked it it wasn't a super long book it was a pretty quick read and i bet it would be pretty good on audio as well but i actually read it oh i don't have any audiobooks this time interesting hmm. I don't know. okay and the final one which i just finished the eighth detective by alex pavisi Grant McAllister was a math professor, and he wrote uh, kind of a treatise on math and detective books, murder mysteries, and how there's rules for detective mysteries. And then he writes seven short murder mysteries to illustrate his thesis. It was privately published and then kind of went out of print, and he moved to 
some island in Greece and has kind of been hiding out for 20 or so years. Julia is a book editor and they want to republish this book. So she's flown out there, flown out there, gone out there to talk to him about it. And they start reading through the stories and discussing them. And every story has something, a detail that's off. And Julia starts to think that maybe there's a mystery within the mystery. So this was pretty fun. And so you, you get all the seven mysteries and then you get them talking about it and the solutions and the mystery within the mysteries. And then there's the big reveal at the end was pretty satisfying as well. Hmm. So this one was pretty fun. Uh, the Eighth Detective by Alex Pavese. So, okay. Yeah. That's a good list. A little bit all over the place, but I enjoyed it. And all pretty, all pretty summary and light. So yeah. if you want something not heavy, except for Of Women and Salt, you can look at that list. How about if you? If you want something heavy, I have some books for you. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of books, actually, for this week. I read Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. This is a oh. new... Yeah, this one is... This is... I'm not going to compare... I mean, you can make obvious comparisons to Cersei because it's giving the footnoted woman her own whole entire novel. Nice. That's a different author, right? Yeah. It's a different author, but there is one major point that did feel like Cersei, and and I feel like that part of the comparison is relevant. So anyway, Ariadne is the daughter of Minos, and her brother is the Minotaur. Her brother is devouring the people from Athens, Mm -hmm. right? I think Theseus's people. Right. So Theseus comes to battle the Minotaur and Ariadne helps him escape the labyrinth and defeat the Minotaur. And she needs to escape with him. So this is Greek mythology. I'm not, there's no spoiler here. No. (laughs) And so it's the story of how. After 3,000 years. Yeah. We don't have to say spoilers. So she goes to the island of Nyxos with him, and he abandons her there. Yeah. She becomes the, the human for Dionysus, mm-hmm. who is also Bacchus. This is when I get so confused, because sometimes I know the Greek, and sometimes I know the Roman, and I'm not locked in on this. I'm not even an amateur myth person. I just, I have to look up everything. So the goldfinch, goldfinch, is that right? The goldfinch mythology. Who's the famous, isn't it Thomas Goldfinch? Don't look at me like that. I don't know. I'm thinking of the book, The Goldfinch. Gold something mythology. What is it the myth of? No, it's this like cliff note version of myths and it's like the... Bullfinch. Bullfinch. Okay, that makes more sense. That's too the, good. The bullfinch mythology <laughs> is on my nightstand, and I keep having to, what's going on? Because I don't know my myths inside and out. Mm-hmm. So she... It feels to me, though, that you should be able to read a book without knowing your Greek mythology. Or are you just trying to do a deeper dive? I'm trying to do a deeper dive. That's fair, then. In part, and I know that there are... Like, I know Bacchus as the Mm -hmm. god of wine and, like, excess, I guess. And so I did need that refresher. There's a lot of symbolism Mm. that was sort of like, oh, yeah, that's why. And the bullfinch is helpful to keep me on the right track for that. What I didn't like about it was that it had a little bit of a slow pace once she's isolated on the island and in some ways that is a very human you know versus god or Mm -hmm. demigod response to it and her jealousies of Dionysus's travels and he's bringing these nymphs back with him and they're doing these dances in the woods and it's a little weird but the the description of the two islands would make me interested to go back and read Circe because mm. they felt like very similar islands and I loved Circe. Yeah. Really loved Circe. Yeah. She was 
strong and I feel like you were able to sort of soak into her character. I don't know that I had that feeling so, so much with Ariadne, but I did get a, a sense of the more of Dionysus, Dionysus's exploits. So I don't know that that was what was meant to be achieved, but that's Ariadne. Then I read Hour of the Witch by Chris Bajalian. I love this author. I've read nearly everything he's written. He's a longtime favorite of mine. What I like about his writing is that he does a deep dive, huge amount of research when he is building a piece of fiction. And I feel like you're in very good hands no matter what time period he drops you into. This particular book is no different. We're dropped into 1660s Boston, Boston proper. So you're downtown. (laughs) And we are closely aligned with Mary Deerfield, who historically, there are documents about her and her husband because she was one of the first women to petition for divorce in the in the new colony. Of course, I have a million problems with this. And there's going to be people who do not want to read this book because there's a lot of domestic abuse. It's hard to read about. And then she's accused of witchcraft because she has bruises from her husband who won't admit it. It's super frustrating. What was important and different, I think, I read a lot about this time period lately. I don't know why. Having the source material, like snippets from their actual trial, and it was interesting reading about her divorce petition and how that was handled or mishandled, however you want to look at it. That part of it was fascinating to me. It's a very satisfying read from beginning to end, domestic abuse aside. Then I read The Salt Path, which is a memoir by Rainer Wynn. I have no idea how I found this book which is my usual tagline for most of these. This is a memoir, true story, of a couple in their late 40s, early 50s, and they are in Wales, and they lose everything. And that part of it is really difficult to navigate. It happens right at the beginning of the book, and it's the premise for the whole thing. From the beginning, sort of, you lose a little bit of faith in humanity. And then they decide, because they are basically homeless, have very little hope, and they've lost their business, that they're going to hike, rough hike, so like camp along the way. That peninsula of Cornwall, like the southwestern peninsula Mm -hmm. of England. They found this guidebook, and normally you go from this most southerly point west and then east and north, northeast, whatever, you go clockwise. And because they could only afford to get to a certain point, they do the whole thing counterclockwise, Hmm. or they attempt to do the whole thing counterclockwise initially. And it's the story of their marriage and their struggle and the aspect of their homelessness and how people treat that. And it was really interesting. It's a fast read and you're rooting for them the whole time her sequel I don't know that it's really a sequel because it's a memoir but she has a new book that just came out that I'm very interested to read because you want you want to hear how they came out of this really dark time it's something that could happen to literally anyone so how somebody overcame these really steep odds was a, a a great book not easy but great then I read girl 11 by Amy Souter Clark. This is a mystery that my friend Kelly, who's on a beach in Delaware right now, because you got to find a beach somewhere. She said held her interest and like she plowed through it in an afternoon. So this is super beach read. I didn't know that I was going to really enjoy it because it's written like a podcast script. And Hey, we're podcasters, so... Are we? Yeah. Cool. So I I didn't know if that would irritate me because we don't go by a script. No. And so it felt weird to read somebody else's, not only is it a script, but it's a fictional script, and how would that feel? 
The mystery is this whole series of girls who are gone for a certain amount of time and then their bodies are discovered and there's like an algorithm behind it and the podcaster is trying, she's working with the police to help solve this case Hmm. and she's connected to it in a way that the listeners don't really know about and it's ultimately revealed. It reads surprisingly well for like a scripty looking Mm -hmm. novel. I really enjoyed it. It was a satisfying read and I think I would read more of her stuff. It's very fast. So that's girl comma 11. Numeric 11. And then I read The Last Exiles by Anne Shin. This is a book that was on a list for when I was looking at um, great fiction by Asian authors. Mm. And this finally came in. And wow, it's so good. This is, I think it takes place in modern day North Korea. So here's a picture you hardly ever get of us even a remote snippet of yeah it's Jin and Suja and Suja grew up in Pyongyang and Jin grew up in the north on a farm and very remote and he won a scholarship to the university in Pyongyang so they meet there and on a trip home he gets in trouble and is incarcerated which is very difficult I mean, it was such a minor infraction, if you can even call it that. He escapes and goes to China, and she goes to China to try and find him. And it's how their separate journeys to find each other. Well, he doesn't realize she's there. And the trials that they have to go through in order to just be an exile in China it's really difficult stuff. There's some uncomfortable subject matter in that one that you can, I'm sure it's in the jacket of the book. Not surprising, you know. I've heard about that one somewhere. Someone else yeah, it's. It. I think what is, what's striking to me about it is that it's modern day. It feels very modern day. Mm-hmm. And I have so much empathy for them as they realize you know, they were, they're isolated from the rest of the world. They're told that their country is the greatest in the world. They get out and see what everyone else, how everyone else is living and that there's like abundance of food in the world when they were starving in North Korea. That is, is really well rendered in the book. Again, not a light beach read. <laughs> Sorry. That's what you get from me. That's The Last Exiles by Anne Shin. And then I read, I think one of my favorites of this b- batch of books was Sparks Like Stars by Nadia Hashimi. And this book takes you to Afghanistan and it opens in 1978 during the coup. That, uh, there's like a. So this is another light book. This is another <laughs> light read right on the beach. It takes place in Kabul. Our main character, Sitara, loses her whole family in this coup because her father was one of the president's men, one of the advisors. So in order to protect her, one of the U.S. diplomats smuggles her out and into the United States Hmm. because they have her older sister who died they have her U.S. birth certificate. Oh. So she takes on the the identity of her older sister, who was, you know, whenever she was mentioned in the house, they flourish her memory, you know, when anybody says her name. So it's weird for her to take on this name. That tradition is really gorgeous. She grows up in the U.S., becomes successful, and makes her way back to Kabul in order to figure out where her parents, where her family was buried. And it is, it's this really interesting full circle novel that I think shows a a really interesting picture from as an Afghani American, how it was for her. There is some discussion of 9-11 in there because she lives in New York City, you know, through her lens, which I think is important. It's definitely part of her identity as a 
professional in New York City. I think this one was just the most fully realized of everything that I read. And I'm still walking around with the pictures of the author did a great job describing Kabul and what that was like for her to go back and comparing it to when she was a child. I really, I really enjoyed it. It is not a beach read. I mean, you could read it on the beach. You could read it on the beach. <laughs> it would not. It's not fluffy. It's not fluffy. It's I not don't fluffy. really. I mean, it's rare for me to find something fluffy and light for I you. The fluff. For you all, and yeah. That's why there's two of us. That's right. So those are my books. Nice. Well, there's some interesting ones in there. I might have to update my uh, my queue at the library. All right, bingo. What you got? I got nothing. Hold Come on. on. <laughs> That's not true. It's pretty true. Bingo started Friday, May 28th, and it will end September 6th, which is a Monday. It's Labor Day here in the U.S., to enter, you need to post a photo of your bingo card with a completed row or diagonal or column or for a second entry, a blackout. And you can put that on the Ravelry thread if that is safe for you or post it to Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2021. There will be prizes. Yes. Uh, random drawing from all our entries. And uh, if you need, still need a bigger card, there's plenty of time. You can get one from our the highlights. The highlights. Someday I will remember that. Or you can email us and we will send you a PDF that you can print out and then take a picture and post. Yeah. yeah. So you have vacation stuff. Do you want to use I the get... summer, the middle, the middle freebie? Yeah, definitely. That That is... That is all that I, I feel very confident. I mean, there's some things I could probably finagle, but I, I don't feel ready to, to make any other squares happening. But I was on vacation and I did crafting and reading. So, you know, you might I be at, you're definitely at Three Recipes from East since you reviewed it. Well, that's probably true. I feel like I want, well, I'll have to think about that one. I will, I will cross that if I need it. I feel like I want to pick a new book. More an old book and, and do something yeah. more intentional. Intentional, that's the word I'm looking for. So it was a little bit of a slow bingo time for me. But Penny Gale has been I know I'm going so great impressed. Guns. Yeah. She did cooking with friends. I guess it was not the plan, but she was making dinner and friends came over and they did the cooking together and made chicken tikka masala, which looked delicious. And then she also made a bunch of double batches. It looked like some sort of potluck gathering maybe or maybe she was just having the party that part was unclear but there was many brownies and many drinks so that all looked very delicious and exciting excellent i repaired something nice sort of our bedroom curtains were a mess and i was going to make new ones and i was then inspired to buy a new set and so i took them all down and I washed the bedroom windows, Ooh. like really, really good. All the sills and everything. I realized that my curtains that were hanging there were four different colors, you know, just like sun bleached and gross. So I hung new curtains and I'm calling that my repair because it definitely repaired my spirit that day to put new curtains up. Nice. I just realized I did repair something. What? My son's sailing gloves, the Velcro tabs were coming off and he asked me how to sew them back on because he was heading off to camp and needed his gloves. So I showed him how and then I grabbed the other one and started sewing it because I figured yeah. that would go faster. We were both working on it. Yeah. So that was nice. And it, it worked. And then he went to camp and he said they worked great. And someone else benefited from your labor. So that's like a double yeah. win. Great. All right, to repairs. I remember to check that off. I am like an hour away from the ending of Still Life by Louise Penny, which is a Monica recommendation and also an Auntie Rita recommendation. This is the Inspector Gamesh series, and I am totally into it, and I didn't talk about it in my book section because 
I have an hour left and I'm mm. still a little fuzzy on what's going on, but there's one character that I can't wait to rant about, but I'm giving myself credit for it because I'm committed and that's my read something Monica recommended. And then I have the taste test comparison, the peanut butter cookies that we did for Nathan's birthday giving myself credit for that. And I did start a new project, but I think I'll talk about that next week because I haven't finished it and it's a mess. Okay. I mean, it's it's only, it's all about starting it, so. Oh, that's true. I started a new pair of pants. Oh, fun. Yeah, but then I think I broke my sewing machine. Oh, so not fun. I feel like. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing the whole sorted tale <laughs> next time. Thank you. Or hopefully it won't be sorted. Yeah. Sorted? Sorted? Sorted out. Yeah. Either way. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Today is Sunday, July 11th, 2021. Am I making that up or is that right? It's Saturday. Oh, we changed it. I did the notes (laughs) yesterday. Okay. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.